Welcome to episode 125 of District of Conservation. Today's guest is Congresswoman-elect Kat Kamick, who will represent Florida's 3rd Congressional District come January when the 117th Congress starts. Here's a little bit of Kat's bio from her congressional website. Kat Kamick is a small business owner who grew up on a cattle ranch, a third-generation sandblaster, an alumnus of the United States Naval War College, and the longtime former Deputy Chief of Staff and Campaign Manager to Congressman Ted Yoho. As a staunch defender of our Second Amendment rights, she sits on the board of the Friends of the Alachua County NRA, and as an advocate for our community, she is also president of the Newbury Jonesville Chamber of Commerce. As a fierce advocate for President Trump, she was a part of his 2016 Women for Trump bus tour. As the third generation in the family business of monuments and commercial sandblasting, Kat learned early both the value of hard work and the pressures and challenges that small businesses face, ranging from labor challenges to regulations. In 2011, her family received the devastating news that they lost their cattle ranch due to the failed Obama program and was forced to evict. After being homeless for months, Kat was contacted by Ted Yoho about joining his campaign. Motivated by her recent personal experience with the failures of big government, she agreed and joined Team Yoho in September of 2011. Since then, Kat has been responsible for the congressman's economic development programs, grants, district foreign trade, and diplomacy efforts, and district and statewide communications. She maintained oversight of the congressman's human trafficking task force. During her time in Congressman Yoho's office, she successfully led the efforts to secure four new VA clinics within the district, as well as crafted the framework of a successful economic development program called Project Putnam. Kat is married to a Gainesville native, Matt Harrison, who is a firefighter, paramedic, and SWAT medic. Together, they co-founded a nonprofit called the Grit Foundation, whose mission is to support local law enforcement, first responders, and veterans. Here is Kat, who calls herself a conservative conservationist in her own words, and a preview of my extensive conversation with her, which will also be on YouTube and Town Hall this Thursday and Friday, respectively. Get to know Kat Kamek here on District of Conservation today. I am joined by Representative-elect Kat Kamek of Florida's 3rd Congressional District. And for you viewers and listeners out there, Kat is going to talk about her background, what led her to run for office, some issues that are kind of on her mind, what she hopes to accomplish in Congress, and anything else, and especially about the whole incoming class of Republican women who are going to be historic in numbers going into the 117th Congress. So Kat, we are so delighted to have you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to chat with me about what's going on and what you look forward to doing coming to Washington, D.C. No, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to join you and excited to get to work in the 117th Congress. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah, I've seen you plastered like everywhere. You've been making the rounds on media and that's a really good sign because I think people will defer to you for a lot of interesting perspectives. But what led you to run for office in the first place? You're going to be the youngest Republican woman coming into the 117th Congress. Uh, what what was the impetus behind running and how did you best this kind of crop of 
different opponents in the primary because you had a lot of opponents going into the general election. So talk about what led you to to run and then what was your process behind winning the primary? Well, you know, as you said, I came out of the largest primary field in the state of Florida, a 10-way primary. Originally started as a 12-person primary and by the time it was all said and done, there was 10 of us left. So uh, it it definitely was a, uh, a, a rough and tumble primary, I'll say. Um, but it, it really has helped prepare me for what's to come next, which, you know, is legislating in a very partisan gridlocked Congress. And, you know, I think back to the reason why I started, um, this whole campaign and really my involvement in politics to begin with. And it started really when we lost our small cattle ranch out West due to an Obama era program. And it wasn't a program that any of us joined or signed up for. It was uh, Obama's signature housing initiative, the HAMP program, in which any uh, bank could take advantage of this legislation and would receive a tax credit uh, for any home loan that they just, quote, couldn't save. And so millions of homeowners across the country lost their homes under this program, um, really through no fault of their own. And it has turned into one of the biggest scandals um, that no one talks about. There have been class action lawsuits and and just another failure of big government, this one-size-fits-all approach that big government tends to have across the board on all topics and all issues. And that is really what started my process for getting involved. Uh, At the time, uh, I had just finished up college. It was uh, 2011. And my family, you know, we found ourselves homeless. We were staying in an extended stay motel that was a pay-by-the-week type establishment. And um, I got a call from a family friend, and he said, my uncle is running for Congress in Florida, and we we think you'd be a good fit for the campaign. And at that point in time, my whole life plan had been, you know, hey, maybe I'll take over the family business, which was commercial sandblasting, um, which my mom was running the business. And um, you know, maybe get involved in the energy industry. That was really where my passion lied. But when something as dramatic uh, as losing your home, your childhood home uh, happens, you have to make a choice. You can either, you know, put your head back in the sand and, you know, continue on your merry way, or you decide that, you know, I'm going to go after the thing that caused this, this traumatic event in my life and try to make it right. And so I decided that I was going to try to make it right. And um, that's how I ended up involved in politics. I I joined the campaign of Representative Ted Yoho. And after we won our initial campaign against a 24-year incumbent, we we made the choice that um, I was going to join the official office. And and I've been serving this district in Florida for the last eight years as the deputy chief of staff. And now I will continue that service as the representative for this area, really taking the work that we've done for the last several years to the next level and elevating um, that work and, and the constituent work and issues. So I'm excited for that opportunity and the challenge that lies ahead. Why don't we talk about some issues that are on your mind? How we first got connected, we have some mutual friends out of Florida in the water quality kind of conservation agriculture space. And I'm a little bit familiar with the issues that are down there. There's a lot with the Everglades. There's a lot of kind of tussling between agricultural interests and water quality interests. And some people think that those two factions have to be at odds with one another rather than coming together and finding solutions. So we often hear that farmers are pigeonholed and accused of all the different environmental problems. And then I know there's some other extenuating factors, but speak to kind of this 
conservationist mantra that I know you're very passionate about having a background in cattle ranching and supporting agricultural interests. And something that I've talked about at length is kind of the need for more conservative conservationists. Do you think of yourself as that? Do you want to promote those issues? And do you hope to be in certain committees where you can talk about these issues in greater, in a greater capacity? Absolutely. You know, I think growing up uh, on a small cattle ranch, um, you you have an appreciation for the resources and being a good steward of the land um, that folks who grow up in maybe the cities or urban areas or, or the suburbs don't really understand. And I don't think there's any greater steward of our natural resources than our farmers and ranchers. I, I cringe every time I see someone attack our agricultural community as saying, you know, you're anti-environment or you're, you're polluting the environment. That doesn't make any sense from an economic standpoint, from really any standpoint. Um, it, it's, it's very disheartening to see that we've let this narrative go for so long to the point where uh, folks who have no working knowledge of agriculture are making decisions that significantly impact our farmers and ranchers and, and how they operate. And uh, I would say that um, as, as someone who has been an avid angler, um, someone who has grown up in the agriculture community, it's important that we have an active voice um, but also a young voice that is standing up to this narrative that the left are truly the champions of sound environmental policy. Uh, I think that's a misnomer that um, you have to have um, some very strict overregulated environments in order to have sound environmental policy. You have to have a sound economic policy in concert with a sound environmental policy. The two have to coexist in harmony, otherwise neither will work. Um, that just is a common sense, um, uh, that's just a, a common sense approach to the whole argument about environmental policy. And uh, as we all know, and common sense isn't common, and often it gets pretty politicized. But I think as we go forward and we talk about um, environmental policy, and of course, there's a lot of fear in um, across the country in the ag community about what might happen under a Biden administration. I think what we've seen previously, say, in the Obama administration were these ridiculous regulations and these rules that were really burdensome, costly, and pushing out the family farms and ultimately setting the, the stage for really the final crop, which would be housing developments. And there's nothing environmentally friendly about putting a slab of concrete down and installing a septic tank and calling it a day. Um, so there's, there's definitely a discussion that we need to be having. I am right now in the process of working very hard to get on the ag committee and earning a seat there. And that's where I really think that I'll be able to be a champion and an advocate for rural America, because again, rural America is really not just our heritage, but I also think our future we have an opportunity to really support our farmers and ranchers in a way that we haven't seen in years. And that's through rolling back these crazy regulations that make no sense, that don't make the environment safer. They don't make food production safer. They don't make labor safer. Um, it's just a, a regulation for the sake of a regulation. And so I'm looking forward to being that advocate. But Again, I think it comes down to messaging and marketing. We have to be that voice that's willing to stand up and say, no, conservatives are actually great conservationists, and it's right in our name. 
we are conservative. We we don't spend money on on uh, products and fertilizers if we don't need to. We use the bare minimum amount to safely produce um, enough food to support our communities and our states and ultimately the nation and the world. Um, but when it comes to our natural resources, we are the best stewards of them. And so there's a long a longevity argument that we have that I think that the left doesn't. And so we're going to be talking about that at length, not just in committee, but I hope on a national stage so that we can really start pushing back on this, um, the stereotype that the left has a stranglehold on the environment and, and being strong conservator, uh, conservators of the environment. So looking forward to doing that. Yeah. And if any of your other colleagues want to come on and I don't have a connection to them, please send them my way because I know there are a lot of there should be more hunters and anglers uh, in the caucus. So, if <laughs> you know, vent about why they feel like they're underheard and underrepresented, more than happy to give them a platform through the podcast. Absolutely. But yeah, uh, speak to briefly about hunters and anglers too, because you were saying that you you do a lot of fishing. Do you think that their voice is going to be shut out? I I've been looking into certain things. It's not really in the Biden doctrine quite yet, but certain other groups like Aspen Institute. And I heard Senator Heinrich say they want to move away public lands management from the multiple use stewardship model to a public use, which would exclude the people who um, not only recreate on those lands, but also make a profit or uh, make their livelihood off of it, which has been kind of the gold standard. So if, if you were to see something like that, how would you respond? And, and do you think the Republican caucus will respond in some form if we see that shift away from this successful kind of conservation model on public lands? Oh, absolutely. I think I think you would see the Republican caucus come together as a whole and really push back on that. You know, and and again, in Washington, I don't know what happens when you start breathing that DC air, but all of a sudden people feel the urge to fix something that isn't broken. And you hit on it, you know, really a a gold standard of conservation and how anglers and hunters have really supported these ecosystems and, and these systems for so long. Um, I, I find it very interesting that people who don't engage in, in the sport or in the industry uh, want to make rules and regulations, which we tend to find in all parts of government. Um, but of course, I think you'll see conservatives really rally together, be one team, one mission and pushing back on that. Um, I do really um, worry for my friends out West, particularly with land management issues where that is a, a huge issue. Um, I've already started having those discussions with some of my colleagues like Yvette Harrell and Lauren Bobert from New Mexico and Colorado respectively. And um, they've definitely got their hands full and they're going to have some backup with some friends from, from the Eastern part of this, the, the country. But you know, I think that there's just, again, an education that needs to happen. We have seeded this, um, this narrative and really the entire topic to the left. And so they've really been able to craft and drive um, whatever uh, they would like. And unfortunately, so many people and groups have taken this narrative as fact, when in reality, if you look at data, if you talk with people that are involved, like Mike Elf, um, you will find that it's actually the contrary of what they're pushing. So uh, I'm I'm confident that as a whole, the coalition and the, the conference will push back on any um, movement like that. I think they really truly will have in their eyes, bigger fish to fry and pushing for the Green New Deal through the Natural Resources Committee and through the agencies, but um, we'll be keeping an eye out for sure. 
Kat, where could people connect with you and learn more about you and, and follow your journey into Congress? Well, I appreciate the time and, and you having me on today. Um, it certainly is an awesome opportunity to get our message out. I encourage people to check us out. Website is catforcongress.com. And I encourage you to follow us on social media. One thing, uh, as the youngest Republican woman in the country, I've made a pledge to really own social media and share my journey, especially the behind the scenes um, with all of our supporters and followers. So whether it is on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, please follow us. It's just Kat Kamak, C-A-M-M-A-C-K. You can check out all the work that we've been doing um, both here in Florida and in Washington, D.C. It's a nice mix of, you know, here the behind the scenes look at what happens during freshman orientation along with some of the policy work that we're doing right now. So follow us on social media. That's the best way to stay in touch. And thank you so much for the opportunity. If you enjoyed this conversation with Congresswoman-elect Kat Kamick, let me know your thoughts and let me know who you'd like to hear on the podcast going forward, especially in politics or the private sector or nonprofit space. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat or a guest announcement. Find us on Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe, download some episodes, and if you really like what you're hearing, go leave us some reviews. I can't stress that enough. That's the only way I ask that you help spread the word and leave us some reviews to the podcast. I should be having some more upcoming interviews. I don't want to say anything until I have recorded it, but I think Monday for you all... I'm going to have a very special interview that took a while to secure, but through labor and communications and staying the course, I believe I will have landed one of my biggest interviews yet relating to conservation and energy issues. So stay tuned for that. All right. Thanks for listening and go listen to some past episodes and stay tuned for episodes next week.